0: This is Cass Club Radio. Brought to you by Heritage Distilling. On Cass Club Radio, we believe every spirit has a story. And stories like good drinks are always better when shared with friends.
1: Each week we'll explore the intersection of cocktails, spirits, beer, wine, and life.
0: It's Cass Club Radio. Here's your hosts, Lydia Cruz and Justin Stiefel.
2: Good afternoon. Welcome to another episode of Cast Club Radio. Thanks so much for joining us today. My name is Lydia Cruz.
3: And I'm Justin Stiefel.
2: And I'm Maura Dooley, and we are now moving into sadly, sort of the twilight of the summer here. Uh, football is officially back. I think that's my signifier for when fall is back. It's preseason football, but still, summer just started. I know. Well, in Seattle, we but I'm okay get with late football late being exactly yeah. Yeah. football <laughs> preseason football, college football practice underway. I mean, what does the fall mean to you, Justin? When you when you start seeing this, is it t- nearly time for the kids to go back to school?
3: Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, Chris, uh, not Christmas, but the school shopping is essentially done <laughs> yeah. and all that stuff. And it means my oldest son is going to get his driver's license in about two months. <gasps> oh, so my goodness. So he's already taken the test and ready to go and done all that. And here in Washington, it's a pretty cool system they've got. So he gets his license on his birthday now since he's passed everything. And then from a pure business perspective, what, what it means looking ahead towards fall is just lots of BSB. BSB moving into fall with cider and all the cooking of pies and the you know, Christmas. it it is the busiest time of year for us for bsb sales so we're just busy ramping up production and uh working on making sure we keep people you know keep keep them fully satiated
2: love it in the meantime what is going on in the headlines this week
3: hendrix gin has unveiled a scented london underground campaign now to the casual observer that uh you need to kind of Plan that map uh, carefully because yeah. you don't want to go into any public restrooms, I think. Uh, but William Grant & Sons, they're the, the company that owns the Hendrix brand of gin, they're attempting to make the tube in London smell like cucumber and roses with an advertising campaign involving scented posters and the U.K.'s longest floor wrap. So Hendrix is a big brand. Uh, they've created this first-of-the-kind tunnel wrap in the King's Cross St. Pancras mm-hmm. Station. It's got slogans that are undeniably peculiar and utterly delicious. Uh, Another one that says, Hello, Curious Commuters. Another one that says, Escape the Conventional and Embrace the Delectable. The Scented Posters are designed to replicate the key flavors in the gin. They will create an immersive experience that will run for about two weeks in September. This sounds really interesting. Um, In October of last year, the brand unveiled a $13 million gin palace, complete with palm house, Two hot houses, two still houses, a laboratory, and so on, and a gin bar. Uh, that's for they can they can help uh, kind of increase production, and uh, they're just very much focused on this immersive advertising campaign. Um, they, they call it the most significant development since the launch of Hendricks Gin back in 1999. So it'll be interesting to see if people actually scratch and sniff the walls of the London Tube.
2: Yeah, I wall. King's Cross Station. That's a big station. That's a lot of foot traffic, and so this will be really interesting to see how. You know, people respond to it. It's kind of crazy to believe that Hendrix has only been around since 1999 because I do feel like they have a significant amount of brand recognition. And it's probably because they are on the forefront of doing things like this. So, Spending a lot of money on it. Yeah, more power to them.
3: Yeah, that's right. And now moving to another kind of gin. This comes to us from the drinks business. We actually were looking at this last week. Gin made from peas could limit spirits' environmental impact. And what, what I mean by that is traditionally gin is, uh, the base for gin is distilled from wheat. Uh, there are now about 6,000 types of gin in production. According to the journal Environmental International, the research suggests that fermented pea starch reduces environmental footprints uh, in 12 of 14 categories. Peas are generally, uh, we're thinking like split peas and lentil peas, that kind of thing they generally are over 90% starch, whereas uh, wheat is typically in the uh, single-digit percentages of starch component. So unlike wheat, peas don't need fertilizer from nitrogen. uh, That results in uh, savings on air and and diminishing water pollution. They require 112% more direct land occupation, but each liter of gin produced from uh, the pea uh, alcohol derivative would avoid about 2.2 kilograms of carbon dioxide emissions. So it'll be interesting to see if people begin to make neutral spirits like vodka and then the vodka derivatives like gin and absinthe and others from things like peas, high high starch instead of uh, corn or wheat.
2: Keep our eye on that because, yeah, we always like to hear about more environmentally friendly practices on this show.
3: That's right. And uh, finally, fans of the TV show Breaking Bad, uh, the stars Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul have launched a new Mezcal. Uh, they're getting into the, uh, the business like many other celebrities. Uh, it's going to be priced at $58 a bottle, and it's called Dos Hombres Espet and Mezcal. It's currently, you can find it on the Dos Hombres website, and uh, I'm sure that they're going to uh, get this into uh, distribution pretty broadly, although it has started in California and New York already.
2: Hey, why not? This is one of my favorite shows out there. The fact that they're still friends and that they created this bond while filming—I mean, they might as well capitalize on the show's popularity. Hey, why not? Even several years later, so two brothers is what that translates to. Dos hombres. I like it.
3: I think their ad campaign should be from meth to mezcal.
4: Oh oh God. God. um if you haven't seen breaking bad best. that would be a reference that's a reference to, to that
2: <laughs> to the plot lines
4: we're not just randomly bringing no up, yeah.
1: no
2: <laughs> coming up on cast club radio moonshine maybe you've had some in your life maybe you haven't well this comes from the washington post when to pass when to sip on moonshine around the world it's next on cast club radio Back to Cast Club Radio. Thanks again for hanging with us today. Before the break, we teased it, when to sip and when to pass on moonshine around the world. This coming to us from the Washington
3: Post. That's right. Washington Post, when to sip or pass on moonshine. I don't know if you uh, ladies recall some of the most recent news stories about uh, the Dominican Republic and people dying uh, down there on on vacation, the tourists at the resorts, yeah, some pretty uh, mysterious
4: circumstances
3: yeah, and they still haven 't identified the source of that, so some, some people are assuming that it is tainted alcohol, but that hasn 't been proven yet, although the FBI and toxicologists are working on reviewing the evidence. Uh, More recently, there are additional articles from around the world, including 76 people dying in India after drinking bootleg liquor. And that's driven largely in India because the government there has jacked up the taxes on alcohol so high that people are now making their own booze uh, in their home and and they're not making it properly. And um, so this gets back to kind of an overall safety thing when it comes to distilled spirits, distilled spirits being uh, different than wine or beer because, by necessity, you are super concentrating the alcohol to collect the spirits. And if it's not uh, made properly, meaning you haven't separated out the methanol, acetone, the acetaldehyde. And if that gets mixed in what you're drinking, you you could get very sick, and in some cases, you could die. So, the article here in the Washington Post is talking about when to, um, you know, when to say it's okay to try moonshine and when not. My general rule of thumb is I'll only try spirits if it's in a finished package bottle from a legitimate company, you know, that's got the full brand on it. It's got the uh, enclosure in the top and the tax tag and all those things. And you'll see lots of products uh, on the shelf that call themselves moonshine because that's a, a product category that still has some growth in it. That's different than the moonshine that your uncle might make Back in the woods, like stump whiskey.
4: Um,
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. Had, ladies, have you been experimenting with moonshine at home lately?
2: Can't say that I have. This is one category where I, I will, you know, defer to the experts. I don't think I've ever had anyone. No, me either. No. But I'd like your policy generally just sticking with things that come in reputable packages, brand names, because you're right. There's just different ways that can go wrong, especially if you're traveling internationally.
3: That's right, and uh, the other thing too about trusting the brands and all those things, it it could be very very likely that in these issues in Costa Rica or the Dominican Republic or wherever these resorts, that somebody in an attempt to make a quick buck is smuggling illegitimate alcohol into branded containers that are counterfeit like the the mini bars um, the small bottles and and stuff like that, and that hasn 't gone through the the full system of process we temp- typically don 't have that issue here in the u s because uh, anything you buy at the store by and large has to have gone through distribution warehouses and those things. Uh, usually they do a lot of due diligence and then, and uh, the alcohol there is uh, safe, meaning not tainted. but you know it is you, you do gamble when you go to some of these third world countries and you think you're opening a bottle of, of brand X uh, you, you, know, you crack it open and uh, the seal you broke the seal, so it looks it looks right. If you are a consumer of spirits generally you have consumed them in the past so you know what they should taste like and if something smells funny or has you know a a kind of funky taste to it don't finish it it's not worth it
2: justin do you know anything about i mean obviously moonshine has a history here in our country but about how we compare to other countries in terms of making sort of bootleg liquor like what's our history versus everywhere else has it been as much a part of people's history as it has here
3: Well, here it became a necessity for people to engage in in making moonshine because of prohibition, Mm -hmm. where it was just outlawed completely in the U.S. uh, way back at the beginning of the last century. Uh, In other countries, it's largely driven by taxation or by uh, culture, meaning there's been a long history of production of alcohol in the local village or local community it's really some of the movement recently where the taxes are so high people are trying to they don't want to go and buy it through the normal channels or uh, there are disruptions in the distribution network and people feel the need to have to do it. Um, here, the uh, creation of moonshine during Prohibition is what led to the creation of NASCAR. They would, you know, supersize their car engines strip it down to get rid of anything that was uh, unnecessary weight load up the back of the car and then off they go and they try and race as fast as they could and that's that it ultimately is what created our our nascar phenomenon in the, these, these stock cars so we have a different reason for it in fact there's only one country in the world where it's legal to distill your own spirits at home and that's in new zealand in every other country oh. um, that, that has some kind of rule of the law it is illegal to distill spirits at home for consumption or for sale
2: why do Including in the U.S. Why has New Zealand sort of been the outlier there?
3: I don't know why they haven't outlawed it. Mm-hmm. It could be cultural, it could be just a different attitude of government oversight versus, um, you know, being nearby Fiji or, um, which is, Fiji's a very strict country when it comes to governance of alcohol sales and consumption. A uh, very different approach than, uh, let's say, Australia, which, uh, you know, was under the British monarchy for such a long time. Now, with the advent of new kind of tabletop design stills, New Zealand is a place where people buy a lot of that equipment and, and they have a small; it's almost like a coffee maker type thing, where they they have this uh, still and they can make their own spirits, and and off they go. And and in many cases, they can figure out how to how to work that equipment with the instructions that they're not going to get sick. Not the same thing as in I've seen setups and and read stories about people in places like India and other countries where it's not just the alcohol and the recipe they're using, but the metals that they're using to create the containers. Uh, and the bond to fix the seals is toxic. Uh-huh. They're using not stainless steel. They're using some other kind of metal container to cook and, and distill this stuff. And those chemical processes that go through, sometimes the metals leach out, get into the alcohol. So the alcohol itself might have been okay if it was made in a legitimate stainless steel or copper vessel. But the fact that they made it in a vessel that otherwise was leaching out or creating poison is a bad thing. <laughs> and they just don't know not to do that.
4: Wow, I'm learning so much. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't know the New Zealand thing. Picturing people with tabletop stills is blowing yeah. my mind. And, wow.
2: So
3: general well, that's rule. That's why of, we have Cast Club Radio. Exactly.
4: <laughs> you can
2: learn something new every day. So general rule of thumb from reading this Washington Post article, what, if we have to summarize it for people today, what's a general rule of thumb for, uh, for liquor in other countries?
3: Well, I I don't advise people to make their own spirits because it is illegal. Um, but <clears throat> if you are going to consume distilled spirits, uh, you should know where they come from. So don't just drink something that somebody hands you. It, it's it's kind of like uh, college party one hundred and one. Mm-hmm. If you're at a at a party in college and someone walks up and hands you a cup of something, you're not going to drink it, or you shouldn't at least, unless you know at where least it came don't. from. At well, least the don't. same thing is. Yeah. Yeah, same thing with, uh, you know, quote-unquote moonshine. Even though it looks sexy on TV with moonshiners and uh, the story about great-grandpa's recipe, you have no idea where it was made or how it was made. So unless you were directly involved in the making of it, it's, it's best to pass. Secondly, if you're in a country where you suspect the distribution network or system uh, either is not functioning the way we would expect in the U.S. or maybe there's corruption or people trying to cut corners. Open up the bottle, smell it, rub a little bit on your tongue. Does it taste funky? Does it smell funky? Just take a pass, and you're you're less likely to get sick if you are drinking beer or wine. There's no need to risk it by going into spirits that may or may not be tainted.
2: Well, if you want to read this article, uh, we'll make sure you can check out a link. It's available at the thewashingtonpost.com if you want to read more about it. Well, speaking of local spirits, up next on Cast Club Radio, we talk to Marcus Warren of Downtown Spirits, who have done an incredible job keeping things local and flourishing in a competitive environment. That's next on Cast Club Radio. Back to Cast Club Radio. Right now, we are joined by Marcus Warren, owner of Downtown Spirits. Thank you so much for joining us today, Marcus.
0: Hey, everybody. Thank you, uh, Maura, for having me.
2: <laughs> of course, absolutely. Can you tell us a little bit about what inspired you to open Downtown Spirits?
0: Well, you know, back in 2012, I think everyone in Seattle is aware that spirits retail was privatized and. It seemed like an interesting opportunity to get in at the ground level when uh, markets were changing. And while it turned out to be an uphill battle, it turned out to be a fruitful one for downtown spirits.
3: Yeah, for for people who don't remember, the voters in 2011 privatized the state's liquor system, so Initiative 1183. And since that time, we've gone from more than 300 state-owned or contract liquor stores down to maybe around 100 because store operators like uh, Marcus's and others had a hard time really competing against big box stores that came in. So not only do you have our regular retailers like Safeway and Fred Meyer now selling spirits, but you had alcohol-forward retailers like Total Wine and BevMo come in and set up pretty big shops. So, Marcus, the fact that you are thriving now still seven years later is a testament to some of the very unique things you're doing to support the customers. So why don't you share with us some of the things that make you a little different compared to your compatriots in the industry?
0: Sure. Well, I never set out to open just your average liquor store, which I think confounded a, a, a lot of customers that came in and were confused because they thought they voted out the state stores but what people failed to realize is that we're an independent business and I'm a business person looking to make a living. And so we signed our lease right after Amazon purchased all of that land from Kleist Properties. Kleist Properties is actually our landlord. And so they've worked with us over the years as we've waited one block after another for development to slowly inch toward our lot. And uh, lo and behold, in about a three-month period, we'll have a whole nother set of Amazon neighbors moving in across the street from us. But one of the things that really sets us apart is our fast delivery. So from downtownspirits.com, you can go on and browse our entire inventory and have it delivered to you in one hour or less.
4: Yeah, and how did you go about teaming up with Drizzly?
0: So we... Leased the location originally because it has such great access to all of the different neighborhoods of Seattle. We can get north, south, east, and west pretty quickly from 7th and Denny right at the Dexter intersection. But we were approached by a company out of Boston that was doing mobile app on-demand delivery called Drizzly. And this was before Amazon Prime Now launched or was even conceived of. And we jumped on board and we were... One of the first markets they launched in, and we had incredible success. Immediately, it generated over a million dollars in sales for us just in delivery in the downtown area alone.
3: That's fantastic. And uh, Amazon Prime has their own delivery service. So is that a competitor to you, or does that complement what you offer? Amazon is Amazon. (laughs)
0: There's (laughs) not much anyone can do uh, except work their hardest to have and create intimate customer relationships. We have uh, developed a corporate development program where we work with local businesses, tech firms, law firms, to help support the happy hour office culture that is thriving in the Seattle area. So if you have an office and you're looking for some refreshments, just go on to downtownspirits.com, and we'll be glad to take care of you.
3: And one of the things that makes the truly independent operator like you um, so special is that you can, uh, unlike maybe Safeway or Fred Meyer, one of those stores that has a pretty limited uh, shelf space, and so they're only carrying all the big, big SKUs, all the big, big, huge you know, brand items. I assume you've got clientele that are asking for really unique, small-batch, limited production stuff from all over the world. So are you able to really keep up with that kind of variety given uh, that you are independent?
0: Absolutely. We carry fantastic products like brown sugar bourbon that you might not find at every grocer locally. Uh, we are also members of the prestigious Wine and Spirit Guild of America, which is an association of locally owned uh, spirits retailers around the country. And so we work together to identify unique private label products that we can retail to our customers.
3: Yeah. So there are customers who who want very limited edition or rare or hard to find things like scotches or other spirits from overseas. Are they able to come in and special order and work with you to get access to those?
0: We are happy to work on special orders, moving items in for customers as long as they're available in the state. There are some products which just through the distribution chains, we're not able to procure. But if it is available, then we'll work with you and our distributors to get it for you as quickly as possible.
4: You mentioned your extensive wine selection. I noticed that you have a couple different options for people that might like to participate in a wine club as well.
0: Yeah, so we do have our wine club, which launched this summer. And because we are able to bring in such fantastic wines from our Wine and Spirits Guild uh, relationships, we are able to pass on some of those saved to our customers through our wine clubs. So the two wine clubs that we have are the Discovery Club and then the Connoisseurs kind of Club. And both of those can be reviewed on our website, downtownspirits.com.
3: So people who want to order for delivery, can they do that both through an app or mobile or online, or is it only one mechanism for ordering?
0: We will work with you in whichever capacity suits your needs. We have our Downtown Spirits mobile app. You can also find us on the Drizzly app, or you can simply email us at orders at downtownspirits.com, and we'll have it out the door to you right away.
3: i got to say, I was... Really pleasantly surprised to see that Shankin Daily News featured you for those who don't know, Shankin Daily News is a pretty big publication in the beer wine and spirits world globally, and uh, every day they send out an email update to literally hundreds of thousands of people across the the planet. So uh, how did you get featured by them?
0: Well, Shankin sends out their team around the country to identify. Uh, retailers and market leaders that they would like to profile Uh, we came across their radar because of our association with the wine and spirits guild of America and fortunately for us we're going to be featured again in the coming months so keep an eye out for the next update on downtown Spirits.
3: congratulations that's amazing Uh, way way to uh, you know make Seattle proud that's awesome I want to know, um, I, we, we at Heritage, we're very focused on the customer experience, so I want to know if a new customer walks into the downtown Spirits they've never been in before, what is the one thing that they're going to be surprised uh, to see?
0: They're going to be surprised to see how large our retail footprint is. Uh, most people walk in and are blown away by the fact that we're not just the small storefront that you see, but it's actually an 11,000-square-foot retail warehouse. Wow. So you just keep on walking. You'll enter our cellar and we'll, you'll find tons of great products.
3: And do you do tastings and samples on the schedule so people can come in and try things before they buy them?
0: Yeah. Our wine club has a monthly tasting for the products that we will be sending out to our members. And we also have spirits as well as wine tastings uh, on a regular basis. You just find the schedule on our website at downtownspirits.com or join our mailing list to get the updates as soon as they come out
2: well that was my next question marcus i was just wondering where people could get more information but you have a pretty incredible website and you just said it there downtownspirits.com. so we'll make sure everybody checks that out for more information
0: well thank you and i want to just implore everyone to support local whether it's downtown spirits or any other local Seattle based business
2: absolutely we are all about that here so thank you so much for taking time to join us today
3: Thank you, Marcus. Congratulations. You're welcome.
4: Thanks again to Marcus for joining us. Make sure you go check out Downtown Spirits. Coming up next, Distiller Dane has another top five for you, and we leave you with a cocktail recipe, of course. That's next on Cass Club Radio.
2: Welcome back to Cast Club Radio right now, joined by one of our favorites, Distiller Day. And how are you, my friend?
1: I'm doing good. How are you guys doing?
2: Awesome. Let's get started. What's uh, first on your list this week?
1: All right. My first one is kind of random because I don't know how I technically ended up there. And I don't think I've been here in about almost 10 years, but it is Ikea a large furniture <laughs> store. Have you guys stepped foot inside one recently?
4: Love it. Yes. God,
1: God help you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> seriously. But I decided to stop by kind of on a whim. And it, I mean, just like it used to be, it's basically like a theme park for furniture and household items that continuously draws you in and you don't know where it ends. Uh, but the best part of it when I always remembered was little with always the meatballs and the hot dogs stand at the end. But they actually now have like a full-blown cafeteria with great food and actually very cheap prices. But it was actually kind of a fun activity, so I definitely recommend stopping by and just
0: checking it out.
4: Yeah, I made the mistake when I first moved into my place uh, of going on a weekend, though, and I mm. wanted to die. Yeah, don't, was, go <laughs> heat, don't go I, during peak go. And heat I had to park hours. so far away. They have, like, an overflow lot. It was... It was crazy. Well, but there's a reason, just exactly what Dane's saying. <laughs> Everybody knows about this. It's pretty yeah. awesome. I would just recommend going during the week.
3: I saw a news piece recently about uh, some pranksters who went into Ikea's and were re relocating the maps so that people couldn't figure out how to get out.
4: Oh, my gosh. They kept,
3: uh, they kept sending customers into circle loops throughout the entire building. <laughs> oh, that'd
2: be my worst nightmare. Oh, no. It is a little bit of a maze.
3: I, I believe it. You yeah. get lost in there with the map. So.
2: <laughs> oh, man. Wow, that's an epic prank. What's uh, number two on your list?
1: Uh, number two is a location slash brewery I've mentioned before but I'm bringing it up again and that's E9 Brewing Company out of Tacoma because they just actually moved their brewery to a new location in the brewing district in downtown Tacoma and they have this beautiful brand new uh, facility and brewing system. It's a 21 and plus tap room. Um, It also has like a very small kitchen, but they got a really cool outdoor area um, which food trucks stop by and pop up every now and then. So I definitely recommend stopping by and checking out the new spot um, and picking up a pint or two. And then recently, last weekend, they also just released two fruited wild ales, so
3: you definitely don't want to miss out on them.
2: Awesome. Limited run on those?
3: They should still have some around. The brothers who own the E9 Brewery and they own several restaurants in Tacoma are great business people. They run amazing um, establishments. And it's well-timed because of the news this week that Tacoma now is the fastest-growing housing market in the entire U.S.
4: Wow.
2: I mean, yeah, it makes sense. Seattle to Tacoma, it's not too far off. Well, yep. what's number three on your list?
1: Number three on my list, definitely uh, breaking out to the outside with the nice weather, um, is an outdoor outdoor pizza oven, wood-fired specifically. Have you guys messed around with these before? No. Yes. All right, so we, when went we to brought up first grilling first last barbecue. week,
4: Justin kept talking about grilled pizza. <laughs> he
1: did. That's right. It's That's delicious. Right. It's so good.
4: So,
2: how did, I mean, where, how did you, do you have one?
1: No, I wish I had yeah. one, but I went <laughs> to the first barbecue kickoff of the summer at my buddy's place, and he actually just got, like, a, the full-blown one. It's even portable. Um, and it was actually kind of fun because you like, roll while you're and you kind of custom make your own pizza. And it's actually kind of like a heart of its own, controlling it around the wood fire in there. Cause it's hotter in some spots yeah. and then the others. But it also, after an hour or two of pizza, it kind of got you thinking what else can you cook in there? Because it really is just an open oven. So by the end of the night, we were cooking up breaded-free cheese in there, tomahawk steaks, potatoes, and vegetables. So it's more than just pizza.
3: I'll Chocolate chip cookies, s'mores, um, you know, anything you can think of. And what you need to do is get one of those uh, handheld uh, laser thermostats. You can actually shoot it around inside there to see where the temperature pockets great.
2: are. Good tip, man. man. All right, number four.
3: Number four, which
1: is kind of unique, and a coworker actually kind of provided me with the recipe for this. But obviously outside barbecuing on these hot days, I have been known to imbibe uh, with one of my favorite cocktails, and that is the gin and tonic. So I found out a recipe for perfect for the barbecue season when you're out there barbecuing. So basically, you take some juniper juniper berries and put them on a sheet pan in the grill, and you basically smoke them in there for about 20 minutes. And then you take some orange slices, toss them in sugar, and then cook them directly on the grill. And once those are done, basically just drop your gin and ice in a large glass and then top it with the smoked juniper berries, grilled orange slice, and then garnish it with some fresh mint.
2: Wow, that sounds ridiculously good. <laughs>
1: there you go. Yeah. That's the cocktail of the week. that is. <laughs> yeah. I, I haven't tried awesome. it out yet, but I'm hoping next weekend the sun's out and I'll get to try it out. For yeah, you'll
2: have time. to report back. Yeah, we'll need we'll need a recap on that. And your and finally number five for the week.
1: Number five is actually one of my favorite kind of outdoor activities. Uh, I haven't done in a while, but recently tried it out again, and that is stand up paddle boarding. Yes.
4: yes, I love it. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so it's actually very fun, but actually quite a workout and a test of your balance and it's kind of, uh, you get the hang of it kind of quickly, uh, but if you get a little bit of of yourself, you might find yourself rather in the water than on the board still. Um, but I definitely recommend anyone just Google searching and going out there because there's tons of rental places all around, so find the one that's closest to you and get out on the water
2: next time absolutely it does work your
3: core that's for sure yeah an
2: entire <laughs> body workout recommend if you can try to go either on a lake
4: try to go somewhere where there's a little less yeah. boat traffic where you can find yourself a calm spot like Green Lake's going to be a lot easier than South Lake Union where there's yes. a lot of boats hmm. I see yeah. people uh, <laughs> trying
2: to do it for the first time all the time since I live right by Alki Beach and it gets pretty windy uh, going around that there, and it's pretty cold over there. So, but hey, more props to you. That's a great list this week, Dane. We love it. We'll make sure uh, we'll make sure we get your review of of the gin, uh, the gin and tonic when we talk to you next time. But thank you again, my friend.
1: All right, sounds good.
2: All right, thanks, Dane. Bye. Back to work. Well, we also have another great cocktail recipe for you. If gin and tonics maybe aren't your speed, uh, there's a pretty refreshing cocktail on this week's menu.
3: Well, this is our strawberry bourbon lemonade. Very easy to make. uh, Very uh, refreshing, especially as the weather is hot. And you can make it in an individual serving or in big batches. Uh, As an individual serving, it requires an ounce and a half of our BSB, brown sugar bourbon, three ounces of pink lemonade, and two to three fresh strawberries. Pretty easy to make. Put the two or three strawberries in the bottom of a glass. Muddle it to get them all uh, nice and uh, squished up. Add some ice, and then add your ounce and a half of BSB and three ounces of lemonade. Stir it and garnish it with a strawberry or a slice of strawberry. And if you feel adventurous, you can make this in pitcher format and uh, just have it sit on the table for guests to enjoy. It's beautiful, uh, well-balanced, and great on a hot, sunny afternoon.
2: Awesome. That sounds absolutely refreshing. Well, make sure you can find this at heritagedistilling.com. You can also download episodes of the podcast there. It's right there convenient for you.
3: That's right. And you can send us emails at radio at heritagedistilling.com. Give us your own recipe ideas, ask us questions, and so on. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cask Club Radio, and also at Heritage Distilling. And uh, please don't forget to write us on iTunes.
2: Love it. We'll see you here next week, right here on Cask Club Radio.
3: Cheers. Thanks for listening to Cask Club Radio, brought
0: to you by Heritage Distilling. Check us
2: out on MyNorthwest.com to learn more and catch up
0: on past episodes. Cask Club Radio, brought to you by Heritage Distilling.